0: Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to episode 60 of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. Guys, I hope y'all are having a fantastic start to y'all's week. I know I definitely am. I've been watching a lot of the the college softball national tournament, and those games are pretty interesting. I mean, they've come down to the wire a lot. I just got done watching the Texas and Oklahoma State game, and I mean... Wow, so if y'all definitely haven't watched any of those games, I highly suggest watching them. But anyway, guys, as you all know, we will start off today's episode discussing a couple transfer portal news. Not a lot. It's mostly going to be focusing around the high school side of college football. And then we'll transition into some record-breaking news in the NFL, most specifically regarding the Los Angeles Rams and defensive tackle Aaron Donald. And then we will finish off the episode talking about the um the LA Angels and their historically bad losing streak right now, and even Mike Trout, who currently right now is on the worst slump of his whole career. Anyway, guys, before we do begin today's episode, I do want to ask you all to please make sure that you are following the official Instagram and TikTok of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast at Cover 7 with Mason Pierce on both of those platforms. And anyway, guys, let's get right into today's episode. Now, the first news that I do want to talk about it is regarding former Central Michigan running back Kobe Lewis. Now, Kobe Lewis, he just announced on Monday that he would be entering the transfer portal after spending the past four seasons with Central Michigan. Now, despite missing the 2021 season due to a knee injury that cost him his whole season, he actually did have some pre-productive years with Central Michigan. His most productive season is dating back in 2019, where he rushed for roughly a 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns, which was was absolutely statistically great. And then he also did seem to do pretty good in the short twenty twenty season, you know, obviously caused you know by the coronavirus, as he rushed for roughly four hundred and sixty-eight yards and six touchdowns in only six games. So statistically pretty good. Well, Kobe Lewis, he is officially entering the transfer portal, likely due to, in fact that he would be splitting reps with the NCAA rushing leader from last season and Lou Nichols the third who had an absolutely statistically monster year with Central Michigan last year. And plus, I think, you know, he's just looking to find a new home. He will only have one year of eligibility left as he's technically classified as a graduate transfer. And the school that I think will most likely end up landing Lewis is probably Georgia Tech. Now, here's why. Now, Georgia Tech, they lost their former starting running back in Jameer Gibbs to Alabama and the transfer portal. So... That running back one position is left wide open. Now also Lewis, he's also a native of Atlanta, Georgia or kind of the Atlanta, Georgia area as his hometown is Americus, Georgia. So he is from the area. Obviously Georgia Tech, they are a run heavy offense despite the fact that they did switch to the spread offense after you know they were most famously known for having the triple um triple option offense. But I think he probably would fit very well. I mean he's been rehabbing down there in Atlanta and You know, obviously Georgia Tech is based in Atlanta, so I think it'd be an absolute great fit as he will be getting to a higher level. He will be in the Power 5 division now. He won't be in the Group of 5 anymore, and I think Georgia Tech is still a great team. Jeff Collins obviously is in a make-it-or-break-it year at Georgia Tech. He's definitely on the hot seat after disappointing these past couple seasons, and I think he's got a lot to prove, and I think if he, you know, manages to get Lewis from Central Michigan, that'll be a huge pull for the Yellow Jackets. But anyway, let's get on to our next college football news, and now we're going to kind of transition over to some high school commitment news. And our first high school commitment will be regarding four-star cornerback Avion Terrell. Now, if you're wondering the last name Terrell, why it sounds familiar, well, that's because his older brother, A.J. Terrell, is a former first-round pick in the current Atlanta Falcons starting cornerback and just got off a... Very solid season with the Atlanta Falcons. Now, Avion was always looked at probably going to end up at Clemson due to the fact that his older brother also played at Clemson and was a first-round pick coming out of Clemson. And the fact that he had all those ties to Clemson, it just made sense. It was literally a match made in heaven. Now, even Avion, he would go on to say that Clemson was, quote-unquote, home from the beginning, which doesn't doubt me at all. I mean, his family played there. And a cool fact about Avion actually committing to Clemson, he was actually Clemson's first 2023 offer, which dates back way in April of 2020, right as the pandemic began. And he was actually the first offer that Dabo Sweeney and the Tigers gave out for the 2023 class. So obviously Clemson saw the talent he possesses. I mean, he's got great size and obviously they feel like they could get another first round pick out of him as they did with his older brother just a few short years ago. But anyway, Clemson, they're slowly and I mean slowly adding to their 2023 class they're not stacked they only have currently right now five commits but definitely expect them as the season goes on and obviously a little bit later into next year possibly for them to buff up their recruiting class just a tad bit I don't think they will be you know highly regarded for the defensive side of the ball when it comes to recruits now Clemson's always never been known to be a you know, recruiting juggernaut, like they've gotten a decent amount of recruits, most notably at the quarterback position these past couple of years with guys like Trevor Lawrence and then DJ Ugalele. But I do think, you know, possibly Clemson could be looking in target, you know, be looking to target the defensive side of the ball a little bit more when it does come to their recruiting strategies. But anyway, guys, the next news we have in our high school recruitment news is actually regarding three-star cornerback, Luke Evans out of Hollywood, Florida, now you're probably wondering why are we talking about a three-star recruit? What possibly could he offer that you know would be better than a lot of these other high-star cornerback recruits? Well, here's actually why I really do want to discuss this commit. Now Luke Evans, he is six foot one, six foot one and a half. Probably I'd give him about six foot two and 165 pounds. He kinda does have the frame of current New York Jets cornerback. Um, Sauce Gardner who just got drafted out of Cincinnati well, you'll never guess where Luke Evans actually decided to commit now He announced on I want to say Monday. He announced that he would be committing to Cincinnati Now Luke he did ch- choose the Bearcats over schools like Texas A&M, Georgia Penn State and many more offers So a lot of schools they did see the talent in them But he decided to go to Cincinnati and you're probably wondering why would he go to Cincinnati over schools like? AM, Penn State, Georgia, Arkansas, you know, just all these, you know, high level Power Five schools. Now, yes, you know, Cincinnati technically will be a Power Five school next year when they join the Big 12, but what do they currently offer that would be better than a lot of these schools? And I will immediately tell you this it is Luke Fickle, the current head coach for the Bearcats. He transformed Sauce Gardner, who, you know, just became a top ten pick by the New York Jets in this year's draft, and also transformed Kobe Bryant. No, I'm not talking about the NBA legend, but current Seattle Seahawks cornerback, you know, who got drafted a little bit later in the draft, but could have possibly been a late first round pick if it was not for his counterpart in Sauce Gardner being so unbelievably dominant in his college career. And these guys were not highly recruited coming out of high school. Sauce Gardner I think only had like three stars at most he was ranked as like the fifteenth, 1500th ranked player in his class so obviously was not recruited very heavily but Luke Fickle saw something in him and Kobe Bryant. And now they're both going to be starting cornerbacks in the NFL. So I guess Luke also was like, you know what, Luke knows what he's doing at Cincinnati. And obviously he can transform me into possibly an NFL talent. And I wouldn't be shocked to see a lot of these corners that go to these big-name schools like Georgia, LSU, Alabama, eventually transfer over to Cincinnati due to the fact that Cincinnati right now has a good track record of sending cornerbacks. And I know it's only been two, but these weren't just two and corners, Sauce Gardner never allowed a touchdown reception on him in his whole college career, and he played college football for three years, three full seasons, so yeah, very dominant, Kobe Bryant literally just won the Jim Thorpe award not even half a year ago, which is given out to the nation's top corner, so yeah, and it was neck and neck between him and his teammate to win the Jim Thorpe award too, so Absolutely fantastic pickup for Cincinnati. As you know, it's not the first time they've gotten just a three-star cornerback, you know, coming to their school, and maybe he can end up being the next Sauce gardener for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Which does scare me as a TCU fan because we will have to start playing them at least once a year come next season. But anyway, I'm really happy for Luke. I'm glad that he will be going to an amazing program and an amazing head coach, and Luke Fickle in the Cincinnati Bearcats. Now, guys, that does wrap it up for today's college football segment. Not a lot to really, you know, discuss about or talk about. We did have a couple, you know, key high school, you know, recruitment news. And personally, my favorite is Luke Evans because I like these underdog stories. Obviously, the whole world likes underdog stories. And I think Luke Evans possibly could give that to Cincinnati and end up being that next sauce gardener because he kind of has the same type of frame as sauce as well. Not really buff, kind of tall and lengthy. And that's exactly, I guess, what Luke Fickle likes in his cornerbacks. But anyway, guys, let's discuss some NFL news. Now, the first NFL news that I do want to talk about is some record-setting NFL news. And this is regarding the L.A. Rams and their soon-to-be Hall of Fame defensive tackle in Aaron Donald. Now, Aaron Donald, after, you know, the Rams just got off a Super Bowl win back in February... We didn't know if he was going to retire because he he kind of put the idea of him retiring. And you know he's only been in the NFL for eight years. It feels like he's been in here, you know been in here since forever. It's kind of weird to think that 2014 was his rookie year, the same year as Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., and all those other guys. He came in in the same class as them. Um, you know, absolutely has an amazing resume. He's a three-time Defensive Player of the Year, a seven-time First Team All-Pro, and has been named to the Pro Bowl in all. Eight seasons of his NFL career, so obviously we'll be going to you know Canton whenever his you know his NFL career does come to a close, and will be regarded as one of the greatest. Will be regarded as one of the greatest defensive players of all time, up there with guys like Lawrence Taylor. But anyways, you know, Aaron Donald kind of stated in a lot of interviews that he would be content with retiring. He feels like he's accomplished everything he's needed to in the game of football. You know, yada yada yada. I don't really want to see him retire. I mean, he has so much left in the tank. I mean, he literally has only played eight seasons in the NFL. I possibly feel like he could play another ten. Well, the Rams, you know, they're gonna they're gonna have to pay a hefty penny to get him, and that's exactly what they did. And on Monday, the LA Rams and soon to be Hall of Fame defensive tackle Aaron Donald agreed on a new two year $60 million contract extension, which now makes Aaron Donald the highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history. His current annual value on his contract will now run the LA Rams roughly $30 million, which he definitely deserves. I mean, he's one of the most dominant defensive players of all time, especially of my generation. I mean, I wasn't around to see, you know, Lawrence Taylor. But Aaron Donald, you know, is the equivalent of Lawrence Taylor for my era and could possibly end up being better than Lawrence Taylor. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, well, that's a crazy take. But just look at the stats that Aaron Donald has put up for being, you know, right in front of the center, not being an edge rusher. And the fact he's already made eight Pro Bowls, seven first team all pros, three time, you know, defensive player of the year. And he hasn't even reached a decade in his NFL career yet. That is just unheard of. And that is something that is like once in a lifetime. So absolutely, in my opinion, I think that's a good signing for the Rams. Maybe I think they could have done a three or four, you know, possibly added it up to about $120 million just to at least keep him long term and, you know, solidify that defensive line. But I know obviously if things do happen, they at least will not have to owe him a pretty penny. And I still do think the salary cap does not actually exist in the NFL because now the L.A. Rams currently are paying Bobby Wagner, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, um, Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, Allen Robinson. and just pretty much that whole team's payroll has got to be well almost $300 million. And I think the NFL just needs to implement kind of what MLB does, like a luxury tax and, you know, soft – or not soft tax. Is it called a soft tax? I think it's a soft tax. But just something like that because obviously these teams are getting some outside money because I don't know how the Rams continue to pull it off. I know players love to play for them, but, I mean, come on. These huge contracts and some teams like the Cowboys are so scared to give out a $10 million a year contract, but the Rams are tossing it out like money doesn't matter. But, you know, I I mean, really I am jealous as a Cowboys fan how well the Rams have managed their cap space and kind of draft picks because, Yes, I know they haven't had a first-round pick, but they just won a Super Bowl, which kind of just defeats the whole purpose of everyone's like, well, you're going to be screwed in the future. No, they won't. They really won't because they still do have first-round picks later on in the future. They just optimized the first-round picks that they knew they didn't really need, and they ended up winning a Super Bowl. So, I absolutely agree with how the Rams kind of strategized their way to a Super Bowl win, and... I expect them to be equally as dominant, if not possibly contend, for back-to-back Super Bowls this upcoming season. Now, anyway, guys, I'm going to kind of get off that rant. But, yeah, I just wanted to let y'all know that Aaron Donald is officially the highest-paid non-quarterback in NFL history now with this new contract extension that he was given to by the LA Rams. Now, the next news I do want to talk about is the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos have had a pretty impressive offseason, I would say, going out and getting Russell Wilson from the Seahawks, stealing Randy Gregory from my Cowboys due to just some contract, you know, just, just a lot of weird things happen. But anyway, the Broncos are actually looking for a new owner and they officially, you know, started the bidding for the Denver Broncos. Now, the Broncos have finally found a buyer and it comes in the form of the son of the founder of Walmart, Sam Walton, his son, Rob Walton. Now, apparently, Rob Walton has agreed to buy the Denver Broncos for roughly $4.5 billion, making it the most expensive sports franchise purchase in history. And also, if that's not enough for you, um, Rob's cousin who actually is the wife of the la rams owner stan kronke so now that whole family will be owning two nfl teams and an interesting fact about rob actually rob actually his net worth is currently worth more than the nfl's six richest owners combined And in case you're wondering how much he's currently worth he's worth roughly 59 and a half billion dollars so, yeah, the Broncos will be getting a absolute juggernaut of a businessman and will definitely never have to worry about any type of financial security. And I think this is absolutely, you know, a good thing for the Denver Broncos is, I mean, obviously they're going to have a guy who's not going to be afraid to spend his money. He's definitely got the financial backing, and this might be a good step in the right – or this might be a good step – Into the future for the Denver Broncos, is you know, they've needed kind of a change in ownership as this will be the first time they will have a different owner since 1986. So, anyway, guys, the you know, Denver Broncos have finally been bought by. The head of Walmart. Anyway, guys, the next news I do want to talk about is the New England Patriots. Now, the New England Patriots, they lost their offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, to the Las Vegas Raiders as he's officially become their head coach. So that kind of did leave the play caller hole for the Patriots wide open for whoever wanted it. Now, it definitely does not help the fact that Bill Belichick is the head coach of the New England Patriots and kind of always keeps things very secretive. So we haven't really had a clue who would actually be the offensive coordinator slash play caller for the New England Patriots in the 2022 season, but I think we finally are getting an answer to that. Now, it is being reported by many sources that former, and I mean, this hurts to say, but former Lions head coach Matt Patricia he is currently trending to end up being the New England Patriots play caller come the 2022 season now Matt Patricia definitely did not have a good tenure when it came to being a head coach in the NFL after he posted a 13 29 and 1 record in three years with the Lions and constantly had a lot of off the field issues with players most famously darius slay who wanted to leave detroit solely because of matt patricia which i know obviously detroit regrets trading him now because he's had a decent amount of success over in philadelphia but anyway this might be a good thing it always seems like bill belichick knows exactly what he's doing maybe not when it comes to drafting But when it does come to coaches, he does seem to know a thing or two. So this might be a good thing for the um, New England Patriots. But yeah, I figured I'd let you all know that it seems like Matt Patricia will be getting another coordinator job in the NFL. Now, guys, that does wrap it up for today's college football and NFL segments. And now we will transition over to some MLB news. And like I discussed a little bit in in the beginning of today's episode, we will be discussing the Los Angeles Angels and their current 12-game losing streak. I read it wrong, guys. I didn't mean to say 11. They are currently on a 12-game losing streak, which is tied for a franchise worst they actually currently do have the longest losing streak in the majors this season as they have now taken that from the Cincinnati Reds who had a 11-game losing streak early on in the season. Now... Dating back to late May, the Angels were 27-17, and 17, you know, 10 games above five hundred. so things were looking pretty steadily. The offense was very consistent. Their bullpen seemed to be doing pretty well. Their rotation was kind of stepping up, obviously going and getting Noah Syndergaard from the Mets last offseason. So it did look like the Angels possibly could end up taking the AL West from Houston, who normally always controls that, that, that division. Well, things didn't end up going the Angels' way. They ended up having a horrible slump as it went from going 8 games and people were like, okay, they'll end up winning 1 and now we're looking at a current 12 game skid and they're 2 games under 500. and to make matters worse their best player in Mike Trout is in the midst of his worst slump of his career as he currently is batting 0-26 in his last 26 at-bats yeah, it's not looking good for the soon-to-be Hall of Famer, I do think the Angels will at least hopefully get off of this skid. I'm hoping for Angel fans' sakes, because I know they had a lot of hope going into the 2022 season because it seemed like the ownership finally was making the right signings, and that's definitely what it looked like at the beginning of the season, but things, for some reason, have just taken a turn for the absolute worst. Now, back on May 28th, after Mike Michael Trout had a 3-for-4 performance against the Toronto Blue Jays, it officially did put his batting average up to three twenty, which is very solid, but ever since his 0-26 slumped, his batting average has gone all the way down to 274, which is still better than a lot of hitters in the MLB. But for Mike Trout, that's just not acceptable, except you know, especially for a once-in-a-generation type talent. Now, despite him struggling immensely, he still has the tenth Best OPS in all of baseball with a 953 OPS. So, you know he is, you know, getting on base and yada yada yada. But he should, he just, just got to eventually get. Like, I mean, the thing is with baseball, you'll have a lot of highs and you'll have a lot of lows. Currently, right now, the Angels are going through one of the worst lows you possibly could do, especially right now because they seem to be looking at possibly taking the AL West and being able to make a deep playoff push. Now, Angel fans, don't lose all hope. Once again, you are just under two. uh uh, two wins of 500 so it's not the end of the world but there still is major improvements that are needed pitching Noah Syndergaard's kind of been you know not looking like Noah Syndergaard Mike Trout obviously is not looking like Mike Trout and there's just a lot of holes that need to be fixed I'm not gonna lie I haven't watched a lot of Angel games but from a lot of the Angel fans I know and follow and trust their kind of uh feedback The offense just is non-existent and something needs to change. So hopefully that does happen for you, Angel fans. Because right now, coming from a guy that watches a lot of Rangers baseball, I do feel you because... Kind of seems like both of those teams have gone vice-versa as the Rangers are kind of going in a better trajectory and the Angels are going in an absolute worse trajectory. But anyway, guys, the next news I want to talk about is regarding former Houston Astros and Chicago White Sox left-handed pitcher Dallas Keuchel. Now, Dallas Keuchel was DFA'd by the Chicago White Sox last week after starting the 2022 season with a 2-5 and record with a 7.88 ERA through 8 starts, so... Definitely was not looking good for a player that was on a three-year, $55 million contract. So obviously, the White Sox said, "Yeah, you kind of are a talk, you know, a toxin in our locker room as well." Kind of putting the blame on a lot of his teammates, and you have a pretty heavy, you know, price tag too for a guy that you know almost has an ERA of eight. So yeah, we're going to let go of you. So he, you know, they officially did DFAM last week, and we had no idea if he would even get resigned by any team. Now, Dallas Keuchel is not a bad pitcher by any means because he did win the Cy Young back in 2015 with the Astros and is also a two-time All-Star and five-time Gold Glove winner. So he's not a bad pitcher, but he definitely has been on a slump to start off the 2022 season. Now, the Arizona Diamondbacks, who haven't really you know always had a great pitching rotation they're looking to find you know some better pitching and they actually went out and gave Dallas Keuchel a minor league deal so we possibly could see him start a few games for the Arizona Diamondbacks in their farm system and they could potentially end up in the rotation later on in the season so I hope Dallas Keuchel does go back to his 2015 form and absolutely dominates but it's just something we're going to have to wait and see. Maybe him going down to A or so will be good for his career. So he will regain some of that confidence that he did once have, obviously, years ago. Now, next, guys, the next news I do want to talk about is going to be some NBA news. Now, we will talk about the NBA Finals to wrap up today's episode. But I do want to talk about Utah Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder stepping down after eight seasons with the team. Now, he's not stepping down due to any issues that he has with the, you know, front office or just players or yada, yada, yada. He is simply stepping down for his own health as he just got off a hip surgery um, last season and is currently recuperating to, you know, get back to full health. Now, Snyder, who still had two years left on his contract, which also did include, you know, a personal option on the final year if he wanted to return. So he still did have a contract with the Jazz and actually, the Utah Jazz were, you know, t- trying to keep their head coach with them. They even were offering him a new contract extension after the Utah Jazz did lose to the Dallas Mavericks in the first round of the playoffs. So they still did see something in Quinn Snyder. And apparently, a lot of NBA teams do as well if he does want to return to coaching. Just obviously, Quinn does not want to return to coaching with the Utah Jazz. Now, I Like I said, I don't really watch a lot, and I mean a lot of NBA anymore like I used to, but he also did state in the interview that, quote-unquote, it is time to detach after the season and make sure that this was the right decision for me. So we could possibly see him come back to the team maybe, or, you know, possibly retire from coaching. We don't know. Now, he, by any means, is not a bad coach at all. He's led a Utah Jazz team to the NBA playoffs these past couple years, and has had pretty solid regular seasons So any team would probably want him in the NBA, and I wouldn't be shocked if a lot of teams do end up going after him. But as of right now, Quinn Snyder will no longer be the head coach of the Utah Jazz. Now, guys, to wrap up today's episode, let's talk a little bit about the current NBA Finals. Now, the NBA Finals, it is, you know, after Game 2, the series is tied 1-1 between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics as Game 3 and 4 will go back to Boston. And as the Celtics are going to look to take both of those games to have a 3-1 lead as the series will end up going back to Golden State in Game 5. Now, I'm I, honestly, I'm really impressed with the NBA Finals because both teams have had pretty solid offenses. Jordan Poole was absolutely dominated, most specifically in Game 2, you know, having an insane half-court shot and... You know, this series has been very well balanced, in my opinion. I didn't watch too much of Game 2, but I definitely did watch a lot of Game 1. And it seemed like, especially in the second half, Golden State kind of slacked off and felt a little bit too relaxed as they led Boston to come back and take that game. You know, Al Horford apparently was looking like a Hall of Fame Al Horford. I mean, he went for like 40-plus points and absolutely was dominating behind the arc. He had a a career-high 6-for-8. So or six for for eight from behind the arc. So it was a great game for him. And then in game two, kind of the roles reversed. Golden State took over against Boston, and now the series is tied one-to-one. So at least it's not a sweep or anything like that. I do expect, like I said, I expect the series to be very, very, you know, balanced. But I still do take – I can't even talk, guys. I still do – Consider my take that Golden State or not Golden State that Boston will take the series in six, and I definitely do think they will win in six simply for the fact that if Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can be on the same page, as well as Al Horford and just that whole bench for the Boston Celtics, as they are a little bit better when it comes to the bench. I know Jordan Poole definitely could easily be a starter for any NBA team, but the Celtics, uh, the Boston Celtics, do have a little bit more depth when it comes to their bench, so. That will matter a lot more when it comes to later in games when their starters are a lot more rested. But anyway, guys, I hope y'all did enjoy today's episode. I know that I absolutely did enjoy making it for y'all. Before y'all do head out, please make sure to go check out Anchor.com's monthly supporter program thingy bobber. where if you really do feel like stepping up your supporting... Or just anything like that for my podcast. It only costs $5 a month. It majorly helps me improve the quality of the podcast. It helps me eventually give y'all some exclusive perks. And it also helps me you know, possibly reach some milestones. Be able to give y'all some giveaways for the amazing support y'all show every single podcast. And obviously, guys, I don't expect y'all to do any of this. I am so happy with you just listening or just giving me a follow. Or just telling me you enjoy the podcast. Any type of feedback y'all give is very much appreciated. Now, anyway, guys... I hope you all have an amazing Wednesday. I hope you all have an amazing Thursday. and We will see you all back here on Friday. Guys, take care. Make sure to watch plenty of sports. And as always, I will see you all then. Peace.